Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Monday, April the 18th, 2022. It is currently 3.15 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Now, this is one of those situations where I absolutely have no choice in what I'm about to talk about. The choice, it, it, it was chosen for me. I have, I have no say in this. I absolutely have to talk about this. And the reason I have to talk about it, the reason I really don't have any say, the reason it was kind of chosen for me was because of what we've been talking about at Victory Baptist Church now for for. for, for at least, well, if you think about it, for a couple of weeks, I'll, I'll say that, for a couple of weeks. In fact, we've, we've kind of been talking about it off and on for a long time. But over the last couple of weeks, this is really, the subject has kind of really come to the, has, has really kind of risen to the top. It's, it's come to the front of, of all of our other discussions. Let me explain. We have been working on the book of Romans since 2019. And if you have the Church One app, you can see all, well, we're still adding all of the, the messages to that series. We're, I think it's well over a hundred uh, episodes now. You can go listen to all of them. But we, we've been working on the Book of Romans since 2019. In 2022, we came to Romans chapter 9. That's where we have been now for a few weeks. And in that discussion, you'll note, if you, if you know about the book of Romans, that uh, Romans chapter 9, Romans chapter 10, and Romans chapter 11 seems somewhat out of place. A lot of people just look at it like, wait a minute, what? Romans 9, 10, and 11 doesn't seem to fit. And some, some people would argue, if you just read the end of Romans chapter 8 and jump directly to Romans chapter 12, that seems to fit together. And 9, 10, and 11 those chapters seem completely out of place. Some say they're kind of parenthetical and and you just kind of put parentheses around them. What are they there for? Because Romans 9, 10, and 11 seems to leave the discussion about justification, sin, election, and all of the things that's been talked about in the book of Romans up to that point and just seems to just completely leave those subjects behind and spends all of 9, 10, and 11 talking about Israel. And you're like, why, 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 Paul? Why, why are you talking about Israel when you were talking about justification and sin and salvation and grace and, and works and, and election and all of these other things? Why Israel? Why is Israel even mentioned here? So you have 9, 10, and 11, and then go to chapter 12, starts the section that everybody refers to as being the more practical section, that Romans 1 through 11 are, the, are doctrinal, are theological, and then 12 to, to the end of the book is more practical, kind of a practical theology, and more of an application of all of that theology. That's usually how people will break the book down. So we started talking about Israel, uh, you know, obviously as we begun the uh, Romans chapter nine and we, and if you know anything about Christian uh, theology, especially when it comes to eschatology and biblical prophecy, you know, there's a major division within the Christian world. Some people believe God made promises and covenants with Israel and those Israel and those covenants to Israel cannot just be revoked and forgotten. They, they, they are for Israel, they, and they have to be fulfilled 
with Israel. They have to be fulfilled to Israel in a literal way. In other words, there are those within Christianity who says God made promises and covenants to Israel. He will keep them. God is not done with Israel. He's not just thrown them away and replaced them with someone else. God made promises to Israel. He will fulfill those promises. There are others who say, no, there were promises made to Israel. Israel basically did not keep their part of the bargain. And there, as a, as a, as a result, they were done away with and they were replaced by the church. All right. And now I'm oversimplifying it, but you get the idea. Some people believe God is not done with Israel. And some people believe God is done with Israel and replaced them with the church. And these, this is a massive division within the Christian world. All right. Now there's all kinds of other things that we could get into, but this is a big, a big issue. Now, for those who believe that God is not done with Israel and that God's going to fulfill promises that he made to Israel, literally, most of them would acknowledge and agree that to do this is going to require a temple be built in Jerusalem, a literal temple built in literal Jerusalem. Now, those who say the church or that the church replaced Israel and that Israel is done done away with, and God replaced Israel with the church, well, they don't, there's no need for a temple, and even if a temple is built, it doesn't mean anything, it doesn't matter, because God is done with Israel, and Israel was replaced by the church. So, you have very different opinions when it comes to this idea of a temple. For those who believe God made promises and covenants to Israel that he has to fulfill in a literal way, and they demand that a temple be built, well, they're looking, they're waiting, because once a temple is built, they're going to be like, this is a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. This is the most amazing thing. And there's going to be, I mean, there's going to be excitement. There's going to be discussion. There's going to be, a, I mean, a buzz. It's, it's going to be a big thing for those who believe Israel's done away with and God replaced it with the church. They could care less. A news article is dropped about the, uh, a possible new temple being built. And they're like, whatever. They don't care. So I don't know what your view is on eschatology here. I'm not here to get into a never-ending argument about biblical prophecy and biblical eschatology because those arguments simply go in circles and it just seems like you never get anywhere with anyone because everyone just seems to be so committed to their particular team. But because we've been talking about it, in fact, if you've been listening to our, 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 our messages on Romans 9, you notice we've been going back to the Old Testament looking at all of these promises made to Israel going... Could that be fulfilled in the church? And we're, we're finding, at least I'm pretty convinced, that these promises, number one, haven't been fulfilled in the past, and I think they demand a literal fulfillment in the future, and it would seem that some of those promises and prophecies would seem to demand a real a rebuilt temple. So we've been talking about this. We've also been talking about very similar things in our Bible study exercise on Matthew chapter 24, where we've been dealing with preterism and all and all of the things we've been talking about there. So you can go listen to all of all of those discussions, okay? I'm just trying to briefly just kind of tell you where we have been. And because of our discussion in Matthew 24, Romans 9, Israel, Old Testament prophecies, talking about these differences in Christian theology when it comes to eschatology about what God has done with Israel. God replaced Israel with the church or no, God is not done with Israel. He's going to keep his promise. He's going to fulfill this. How do we understand Romans 9, 10, or 9, 10 and 11? 
because it's about Israel. What does that have to do with election and salvation? All of these questions, since we've been talking about it and talking about it and talking about it and talking about it, well, the minute I saw the following news story, I had no choice. I, like, it, it's, it was like almost like a rule, like, you do have to go upstairs right now, hook up the microphone, you must talk about this. So here I am. This story was published. April the 18th, 2022, at 622, I'm assuming a.m., 622 a.m., April the 18th, 2022, this is from the Jerusalem Post, when blood spills on Passover and Easter, it's time to build the temple. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. The Jerusalem Post is saying, it's time to build the temple. And I'm like, okay. Now, for some, their view of eschatology, this is it. This is going to be a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. This is what everyone's been waiting for. This is a sign. Others are going to be like, ah, who cares? It's no big deal. The church replaced Israel. It, Israel is it, it doesn't even count anymore. People are going to have their different opinions, but whether whatever your opinions are, I just thought it was interesting that here's a news article saying, hey, it's time to build the temple. And it has something to do with the fact that blood has been spilled on Passover and Easter. What's going on? What has happened? What is, what is, what is occurring? Now, right underneath that headline, right underneath that headline, we read these words. What is Hamas's greatest fear? That Israel will start to build the temple. Now, Hamas, I mean, I think we can agree, basically a terrorist organization, they're saying the greatest fear of Hamas is that Israel will start to, to build a temple, or we could say rebuild the temple, but to build the temple. Now, why? What, what's happening over there? Well, here is some information. One would have hoped that yesterday's unique convergence of Passover Easter and Ramadan would have led to a wonderful day of peace and brotherhood. All right. Okay. Awesome. Someone's listening for the first time live. So that, that's awesome. All right. So here we go. One day, or one would have hoped that yesterday's unique convergence of Passover, Easter, and Ramadan would have led to a wonderful day of peace and brotherhood in the spiritual capital city of Jerusalem. Alas, any dream of religious harmony on a holy day to all three great Abrahamic faiths was shattered by Muslim rioters who turned the Temple Mound into a bloody battlefield hurling stones at Jewish worshipers and Israeli vehicles. All right, so we had one of these situations. We had a convergence of Passover, Easter, and Ramadan. Some may think, well, here's the three great Abrahamic faiths this should be a wonderful time of peace, a time of celebration, a time of reverence. But no, it did not turn into that. Any any dream of religious harmony on a holy on a day holy to all three great faiths was completely shattered when Muslim rioters turned the Temple Mount into a bloody battlefield, hurling stones at Jewish worshipers and Israeli vehicles. 
Palestinian terrorists have been fanning the flames of religious violence in recent weeks, as Israelis have been preparing for the Passover holiday observed this week. On Thursday evening, April the 8th, a Palestinian terrorist attacked Tel Aviv's busy, uh, busy uh, uh, one of the busy squares there, where many secular Israeli young people were crowded at bars and cafes, tragically murdering three Jews in their 20s. Shortly after the deadly massacre, Hamas explained their motives and declared the continuing terrorism of the occupation and its crimes attempt to Judaize Jerusalem and to perform sacrifices in the mosque to build its so-called temple during what they call Passover against its stands blood and bullets. Now, basically what Hamas is saying, look, Hey, they're, they're trying to Judaize Jerusalem. They're trying to, you know, Jew, to try to make Jerusalem Jewish. And in a sense, they're doing this against the Muslims. And they're trying to perform sacrifices and, 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 a, and an attempt to basically rebuild or build their temple and w- during Passover. And if they're trying to do this, well, we're going to stand against it with blood and bullets. Right? So, so a, a very obviously tense situation a, situation, a situation that's been going on for a very long time. These hostilities, these tensions, these religious tensions, these fighting, this struggle, it's, it's been going on forever. So let's continue to read here. Now, through their statement, Hamas, if I can, uh, this the page just reloaded. Through their statement, Hamas exposed their greatest fear that Israel will start to build the temple. For thousands of years, Jews have been praying for a return to the land of Israel. Over the last century, we have miraculously been restored to our homeland from the four corners of the earth, but are still waiting the proper time to build the temple. Judaism is incomplete without the temple, And Passover is a prime example, as Deuteronomy makes clear. And now they quote from Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 5 through 6, and it reads like this. You're not permitted to slaughter the Passover sacrifice in any of the settlements, all right, that that, uh, God is giving you. But at the place where your God will choose to establish his name, There alone shall you slaughter the sacrifice in the evening at sundown and the time of day when you departed from Egypt. In other words, what they're trying to establish is, no, if they're going to do sacrifices, they have got to be at the appointed place, which would be the temple. In other words, Judaism is incomplete. It's a shadow of itself. It's a shell of itself. And I think this this fact is so critical in understanding the book of Hebrews, which we've talked about in the past, the book of Hebrews, written 65, 67, 68 AD, warning basically Jews and anyone who would return to Judaism that if, hey, you return to Judaism, you're going to have no sacrifice, you're not going to have anything, because guess what was coming? 70 AD was coming when the temple was going to be destroyed. So it's warning Jews that, hey, don't, You can't go back to Judaism. You need something better. You need a better temple. You need a better sacrifice. You need a better high priest. And all of that is Jesus Christ. If you don't turn to him, you're going to be left with no sacrifice, 
know anything because Judaism is going to be, well, it cannot be, it cannot be carried out in a biblical way. J- Judaism today cannot conduct itself and, perf- and worship the way it was instructed to worship because they don't have anything they're supposed to have. It, it's all completely broken. So you can see why Jews would strongly need this temple. Now, if you've got promises in the Old Testament about Israel being restored and worship being restored, well, guess what? You need a temple for it to occur, right? So everyone can agree with that. With that, Now, some may believe, nope, those promises, those promises are fulfilled in the church. They're not fulfilled for Israel. I, I understand that, but I'm saying everyone would have to agree with this, that Judaism cannot be, it's not Judaism without a temple and without a high priest and without the sacrifices. It's just, it's something less than. Hamas is terrified that after close to 75 years of statehood, Israel will begin turning its attention to the place where God chose to establish his name. In fact, each year, more and more Israelis take the dangerous risk of ascending the holy mountain under the hostile guards of Jordanian officials. Palestinian terrorists are getting scared as Jews are getting serious about restoring our holy of holies the site we pray towards every day, and the building we beseech God for repeated throughout our liturgy. On a national level, the rebuilding of the temple would be a great humiliation to Palestinian terror groups. But on a religious level, the construction of Judaism's third temple would in no way pose a threat to Islam, whose main religious holy sites are in Mecca and Medina, Responsible, responsible Jewish, Christian, and Muslim leaders should use the recent wave of Islamic violence to immediately begin discussing practical and peaceful steps for the rebuilding of the temple on the Temple Mount. It would be done without damaging or disrespecting the Dome of the Rock as a part of a future peace plan between Israel and and her Arab neighbors to end the plague of Islamic terror once and for all. During periods of history, Islam held, held, held great respect for Judaism's temple in Jerusalem, and one can imagine many potential scenarios in the ever-changing Mideast where significant segments of Islam could do so once again. Similarly, for many centuries, Christians looked at the temple with hostility, but as relations between Jews and evangelicals have improved in recent years, some Christians are rethinking their relationship with the temple. All right. I asked uh, John Anderson, the Christian relations director of Cry for Zion, a Temple Mount advocacy group, which is thought which what his thoughts were on the connection between Easter and the temple and the implications for Christians today. We Christians have often thought that the Resurrection Sunday spelled the end of the Holy Temple and God's plan, Anderson explained. But when we read the gospel in the book of Acts carefully, the apostle continued to be passionate for God's house in Jerusalem, including Paul, as God is restoring Zion. We need to rediscover our own text with Jewish glasses, and that includes God's temple. With more Christians coming alongside the Jews and becoming passionate about the need to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, we have a unique opportunity today. 
Rather than lamenting the terrible violence that disrupted Passover, Easter, and Ramadan, we must take steps to prevent religious violence from causing further blood to be spilled in the streets of Jerusalem. It is time for peace-loving Jews, Christians, and Muslims to come together and build the house of prayer for all nations. Now, you can read that in the Jerusalem Post, and it was posted today, April the 18th. And again, it is, it is entitled, When the Blood Spills on Passover, Easter, and Easter, Easter, it is time to build the temple. Now, I just tried to read through that instead of just stopping every sentence or so, so that you at least get the basic idea of what the article is referring to. But they're saying, look, because of all of this violence, because of all the tension, because of all of the disruption, everyone should be tired of the violence. Everyone should be tired of the bloodshed. Everyone should be tired of it. So the best way to stop all of this is to build the temple once and for all. And then it can just be once done, finished, and everyone should then, everyone should be able to find a way then to coexist and be happy. Now, I understand the theory and practice. I don't know if it would ever make anyone happy, and I don't know if anyone would ever be satisfied. But what's interesting is, again, it's another call to rebuild the temple. Now, these calls happen all the time. There's groups constantly saying, you know, we're going to start trying to rebuild the temple, and we're going to be trying to get all the furnishings together. There's always discussions, always discussions. So I don't want you to take this and go, oh, they're going to rebuild the temple tomorrow. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that in any way, shape, or form. We don't want to exaggerate this. We don't want to, you know, use hyperbolic language to, to, to make this a bigger deal than it is. I just thought it was interesting that we keep talking about, wait a minute, is God done with Israel? No, it looks like God is not done with Israel. He's going to keep those promises. And some of those promises seem to call, it's going to be a need for a temple in Jerusalem. When is that ever going to happen? How is that ever going to happen? We don't know, and then we turn around and read a news article saying, hey, it's time, it's time, it's time, it's time. Look, enough of this violence, enough of this bloodshed, it is time to build the temple. Then, and then everyone can just go on, worship the way they worship, where, where they can worship, and everyone would have their place, and it would be great. Um, yeah, well, the article sounds like a long version of the Coexist bumper stickers, but with the addition of a temple. Well, that, that's, that's a good point if you've ever seen those Coexist bumper stickers where they show all of the religions. And yeah, can, can we all coexist? Well, I don't know if it will ever work. I think obviously Hamas and many of the terrorist organizations and many sects, sects of Islam would lose their minds if, if, if uh, Jews started trying to rebuild uh, the temple in Jerusalem. So I don't know... Their theory is if it's built, that will kind of humiliate them. And then, hey, it's, it's over. It's done. Just what are you getting? There's nothing you can do about it now. It's over. I don't know if that would work. I don't think it would just, you know, make them just give up and say, well, you're right. The Jews got their temple. We've got our Dome of the Rock. We've got our mosque. We're good to go. And, you know, we've got, we've got these other areas that are holy to us. We'll, we'll go to our area. You go to your area and we're all good. I know that I don't know if I agree with that theory, but I just find it fascinating that there's a call here to rebuild the temple or to build the temple. They don't use the term rebuild, but I keep using the term rebuild, but to build the temple, a new temple 
which, if you read many Old Testament prophecies, would seem to indicate that there will be a need for this temple. Now, again, many within Christianity would say, absolutely not. Israel's done. The church replaced it. We can all just move on. I have a hard time with that, and here's the reason why. I believe that if, I believe the reason Israel is mentioned in Romans 9, 10, and 11 is I believe Israel is one of the best and greatest and glorious examples of God's salvation. God chooses and elects, and he keeps his promises. God remains faithful when we are unfaithful. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing No matter how much we fail, Israel's the greatest example of that. They failed. They proved themselves to be unfaithful over and over and over and over and over and over again. If God just simply throws them out and replaces them with the church, then why couldn't God just throw us out and replace us with someone else? I think Paul uses uh, in Romans 9, 10, 11, the reason he brings up Israel is it really, in a sense, proves his whole point about election and about why nothing can separate us from the love of God. Look to Israel. God made promises. Yes, they're being set aside for now. Yes, they're experiencing blindness now, but when the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled, God will fulfill, God will save Israel and keep all of those promises mentioned in the Old Testament. I don't have to go to the Old Testament and spiritualize all of those promises and say Israel doesn't mean Israel. House of Israel and house of Judah doesn't mean house of Israel and house of Judah. Land doesn't mean land. I I don't have to go back and spiritualize all of that. I can say, no, God's going to literally keep those promises for Israel. And for this to happen, they have to be brought back to their land. There has to be a national revival. They have to be restored. And it seems like the temple will have to be there where, well, Christ will sit and reign. And then now you get into a whole discussion about a, a literal thousand-year millennial reign where you think many of these promises would be fulfilled literally. I know others reject all of that. Say we're in the millennial kingdom now. Satan is bound now. I understand that. That's more of the all-millennial view. I, had, I went to school and had to write papers from the all-millennial view. I, I used to hold more to the all-millennial view. So I understand all of the different views. But whatever your views are, Isn't it pretty crazy, 2022? There's an article saying, hey, it's time. It's time right now. Enough's enough. Enough's enough. We've got to build the temple and stop all of this bloodshed. Now, I don't know if the building the temple would actually work, but if you could convince enough people that building the temple would actually stop the hostility, stop the terrorism, and stop the bloodshed, if in theory... That could be put forth as an idea and enough people bought into it, then you would not, you would then finally have support, political support, maybe popular support for the temple to be rebuilt. And if it was rebuilt, let's just say they start constructing on it. Let's just, let's just say in theory, complete speculation, just is just hypothetical, hypothetical, hypothetical. Let's just say in theory. December 2022, they start rebuilding the temple. Just in theory, they start rebuilding it. And say somewhere in 2023, the end of 2023, it's complete. Let's say it takes a year, right? Or you could go in 2024 if you want, whatever. 
say within the next two years, it is complete. There it is. How would that impact your understanding of biblical eschatology? There it is. I mean, you're watching it on the news. There it is. There's the temple. Would you go, whoa, okay, okay. Uh, Maybe I need to change my view here. Or would it not matter? Would you say, nope, Israel's still, the church replaced Israel. We get the promises. They get the curses. We're good to go. Doesn't matter. That don't get any of those, all of those promises don't matter. Would, would it just be irrelevant to you? Or would you at least pause and go, man, okay, Israel's back in the land, 1948, back to a nation. The temple's now rebuilt. More, uh, more Jews are coming into the land. Would you immediately stop and go, wait a minute, what? What, what, how should I, what should I do here? Should I reconsider my eschatology? Or would it have literal, literally no impact on you whatsoever? I just, I just find it interesting because sometimes in the, in the Old Testament, we get these prophecies that, hey, this is going to happen or this is going to happen. In many cases, those things actually occurred, right? The Babylonian captivity actually occurred, or Tyre and Sidon was actually destroyed, or whatever the place, things actually occurred. And sometimes it's like, well, why wouldn't everyone at that point go, whoa, 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 I was wrong. God is true. But I think it goes to the hardness of, 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 of our hearts, that in many cases, it doesn't matter what we see, we're unwilling to change our view and our opinion. But I just, I... I know this. This is what I would say. If they start rebuilding it and they finish it, it's going to be really cool to be alive to see it. If that was to ever occur, it would be cool to see it. Like there's the temple's been rebuilt because I've been hearing about it. You know, all the different schools I've gone to, every school's had a different system of eschatology. I've I've gone from dispensational to amillennial. I've I've been to every everything in between. And, you know, you, you really, you know, the last part of Ezekiel, is that, was that describing a, a previous temple or was that describing a temple that has not been yet built? When Revelation mentions the temple, is it referring to a future temple? Now, some would say in what Second Thessalonians mentions the temple, but Second Thessalonians was written before the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, so it could have been referring. Like you get it. So in other words, anyone who reads the Bible, you you're this constant discussion of the temple, the temple, the temple. Matthew, the Olivet Discourse is clearly first and foremost referencing the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. Like so much of the Bible, kind of this, this subject comes up. So it'd be absolutely fascinating to be living in a time where it would occur. I'm not saying that this has any that. I'm not, listen, do not misinterpret what I'm saying. I'm just reading an article where someone is saying, look, it's time for it to be rebuilt. It's time for it to be built. It's time. And there should be a way that Jews, Muslims, and Christians can all get along. They're saying that Christians are more open to it. Yeah, I don't think Christians would be an issue. So, okay, it would be like, could you convince certain elements within Islam to allow it to happen? Would, would they be like, okay, there's your temple, now you leave our sites alone, we've got our sites, you've got your sites, the Christians have their sites, and everyone, could it bring about some religious harmony? If it could, then it would stop the violence, I think then maybe you could get a universal support for it, which could open the door. I don't know. Now, uh, others will, 
then depending on your eschatology, others will say, well, we're going to need a world leader who's going to come along and find a solution that will please all of these people and bring everyone together in a time of peace, and they will believe that person would be the Antichrist. So it just, again, depends on your view of eschatology. I say set aside all. This is what I would say. Set aside all your views in eschatology, just from a purely historical standpoint. The last time the temple stood there in Jerusalem was, you know, at, well, 69, early 70 AD until it was destroyed and completely burned down. And, you know, it was all, it was just utter destruction. For it to be rebuilt would be just from a historical point would be fascinating to see and fascinating to witness. But there you have it, Jerusalem Post. Look it up. Draw your own conclusions. I'm not here trying to put forth one system of eschatology in this broadcast. You can go listen to our teaching on Romans 9. You can participate in our Bible study exercise on Matthew 24. And you can hear and see all of our discussions about eschatology kind of unfold there. Here, I'm just informing you of a discussion that it's time to build the temple. It's not the first time these discussions have occurred. It will not be the last time. But anytime it occurs, I take note of it because I think to see it built would be an absolute fascinating thing to witness. Even if I wasn't a Christian, just from a purely, just someone who loves history, it would be fascinating from just a historical perspective. So you can email me your thoughts, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. And um, yeah, I'll just stop right there for now, and I'll be back on the air probably here shortly with some more live broadcasts this afternoon. Thanks for listening. God bless.